We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 453 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. Of course, you can find my writing at PackerReport.com. You can also at Andy Herman NFL. Exciting Packers 42-24 to win over the Oakland Raiders to move the Packers to 6-1 on the season. We'll be breaking that game down in its entirety today. And to help me break down that game, I'll be joined by the one and only Tom Grassi. Tom is the host and creator of the incredibly popular Packers podcast, PackCast, which you can find on YouTube. He is a comedian, a Packer fan, a vegan. You can download his album, Allergic to Fun, on iTunes. You can find his work at TomGrassiComedy.com. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. I welcome you and the entire Grassy Posse to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Absolutely, Andy. Thank you so much for having me on this late Sunday evening, but it's after a Packers win, so you know what? All is well, and you don't really need sleep after a victory like that. No, a little extra adrenaline, uh, the the heart's still going a little bit faster, especially when you have uh, that type of offensive performance. Uh, You know, both teams, I think, were over 475 yards for the day, so certainly wasn't a lack of action, so I'm I'm 100% with you. You and I could probably talk for about four hours on this game, but we'll try to limit it uh, to just a little (laughs) bit less than that. We'll we'll just go to three, that's fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll we'll just edit it down to the best 45 minutes of that. Um, Tom, before we even get 
get into some of the highlights from today's games and our biggest takeaways, I, I kind of want to introduce you and, and give you the opportunity uh, just to tell our listeners a little bit about uh, who you are, kind of what you do. A, a little rumor has it that you recently quit your day job as a teacher to become a full-time content creator, and this is something that our fans want to know and nothing that I'm asking you directly for my own personal career in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> How does one kind of go about doing that? Yeah, uh, that's that's a great question. Um, yeah, so uh, what you need is to have no fear whatsoever and be willing to live in a box. Uh, that that's the first, like the foundational thing that you need. Um, but yeah, so I started doing podcasts. Uh, this is my fifth season doing it, and uh, yeah, recently I last Wednesday actually was my last day as a full time teacher, and this was uh, not the way it was supposed to go. Um, so some of it obviously was by choice, but uh, I was in a position where I left my other full-time teaching job for a different full-time teaching job, and the, the job really wasn't what it was supposed to be uh, and, and wasn't advertised as such, and I could have sat there and, and been miserable for an entire year uh, and probably collected a really easy paycheck by being a terrible teacher, but that's not what I wanted to do. And I said, you know what, Pod, the podcast is, is kind of like blowing up a bit. It's, it's doing really well. And so I've, I kind of decided to devote my full time to that. I'm still, tomorrow I'm still waking up at 5 a.m. to go sub uh, 20 minutes away from my house. But um, yeah, it, it's just, it's constant, constant, really, really hard work. I mean, I've been doing podcast and full-time teaching, both full-time for going on like two and a half, three years now. And, like, so a normal day literally looks like I, I get up at where well, I was, getting up at 4.30 in the morning, commuting 80 minutes to go teach, getting home at around 4 o'clock, and then from 4 o'clock to about 10 o'clock every single night, I would be doing podcasts and stuff. So it's, um, yeah, it burns you out really, really quick, but, like, it's that kind of stuff that just keeps me going. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if it works. I mean, like, there's a good chance that I just fall flat on my face with this, um, but I'm excited to see what happens. Well, I don't think that's going to be the case at all, and congratulations. It's certainly well-earned and well-deserved. Uh, really excited for you. I'm excited to see uh, where this takes you. I know that type of schedule incredibly well. I also have a, a full-time job, uh, you know, 40 to 50 hours per week, and, and then kind of do all this on the side. So uh, I know how uh, tiresome that can be, so I'm super excited for you. And again, congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's, it's an exciting time, and, you know, this is it's funny because, like, you started off, and, and, and Andy, I'm sure, like, you, you started the same way. Like, you do it because, like, you're a fan and you want to, like, create stuff, right? I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things where, like, I love the game, what have you. For me, it was, like, this is a hobby for, like, the first, like, two years. A few people listen, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, 100 people listen to me talk for 45 minutes. And, you know, it, it kind of just took off from there. But I would say not even until, like, last year that I ever think that this was going to be, like, an actual full-time job, I was like, okay, maybe it'll make me, like, a few bucks on the side, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that for any content creator that actually wants to do this, like, you have to love it, because when you start and you do all that full-time work and you pour six hours into a single podcast because the audio isn't right or the video isn't right and it just takes so much tweaking and editing and 10 people watch it, like, that's a real deflating feeling and you don't keep going unless you absolutely love it. 
Yeah, I think everyone uh, has been there at one point or another. Um, I always joke when I first started out how I originally got the the screen name Scotty Sports as I used to run my own blog. This was over a decade ago now, you know, ScottySports.com. And I would put as much time then as I do now into it, but it would be basically, you know, like two of my friends and maybe a family member every once and again that yep. would go out and read the stuff on the site. And it's just that's how you start. And people ask me all the time, you know, how do you get started in this type of work or, you know, yep. anything? And you just, you start somewhere and it doesn't even matter where it is or who's listening or why you're doing it. Just if you love it, do it. And there's days that it is a grind beyond a grind and it, it's tough. But at the same time, like you said, it, it makes it a heck of a lot easier when it's something that you love doing. So again, super, super pumped for you. And I'm going to be continually monitoring your work closely because I think you do a fantastic job. So congrats. Thank you very, very much. You bet. All right. With that... Let's uh, jump into some more exciting talk, and that's, of course, uh, the Packers' 42-24 to win over the Oakland Raiders. Uh, before we kind of get into the minutia, I just want to get your initial takeaways and what you were kind of watching for and what you got out of that game. Yeah, so I, what, I think, like, the first thing that, that stuck out to me is because, like, it, while the score is indicating, like, a blowout and, you know, the Raiders with Darren Waller scoring, like, some, some garbage time points and, and yards there um, – I think what I was really looking for is obviously, you know, this is the third game that we have without Devontae Adams. We don't have Darnell Savage again. Surprisingly, at least I was incredibly surprised that both Geronimo Allison and MBS were going to be playing. Obviously, Gmo getting uh, banged up real worse than MBS last week. Um, and then I, I think the, for the past three weeks, especially in like the, the Packers fandom, everyone's been like screaming and crying every single time, like, we need a new wide receiver. And it's been like this offense has just been so, I don't want to say sluggish at times, but it just like there hasn't been like, that's not the Green Bay Packers offense that I know. Like that, they haven't really found like that rhythm, even against the Cowboys, you know, Aaron Jones, like completely dominating on the ground, getting four touchdowns. And that was great and wonderful. But everyone was kind of like looking at Aaron Rodgers, like, okay, like when, when are we really going to see Aaron Rodgers? And even though he's making amazing throws, people are like, ah, no, that's, that's not Aaron Rodgers, even though he's making, like, these one-of-a-kind, like, back-shoulder throws and what have you. And so me taking down and looking at this, and I'm like, okay, you know, they don't have Jonathan Abram. Their pass rush is not that impressive. If we're going to put up points, like, it's going to be against this team, similar to what I thought we were going to do against the Eagles. And I, I was really looking for, like, an offensive showcase here, and thankfully, that's exactly what we got. The, the defense... You know, we'll, we'll talk about that. But the, but the offense, I was like, I thought that this was a game where we were going to put up points. People were asking me in the beginning of the stream how many points. I was like, I would not be surprised if we put up at least 30 points today. And we obviously got into the 40s. Yeah, that was the, I had two main takeaways, and that second, the, the one that you uh, just hit on was kind of my second one today. Is that they found another type of football game to win. And we've seen a little bit of everything. We saw a massive defensive struggle against the Chicago Bears to kind of enter the season. We saw a game last week where they continued to shoot themselves in the foot and have a ton of turnovers, but they found a way to win the game anyway. They went in a shootout this week. They've had games where they've been okay in all phases, but not great in any, and they've won those type of games. So every week it's kind of been something different. They haven't had that big shootout type uh, game. And again, 484 yards for the Raiders, 481 for the Packers. I know the score wasn't necessarily indicative of it at the end, but this was a shootout throughout. Both offenses were able to move the ball at will, and Green Bay came out on top. Again, another type of uh, game that they were able to win. The other thing, and I noted this on Twitter today, is Matt LaFleur has now seemingly made this offense fun again. There were shot plays. Everyone was getting involved. They did it without Devontae Adams, as you mentioned. 
Eight different players caught a pass today. All of them had at least two catches. All of them had at least 25 yards. Five of them caught touchdowns. This was a full team effort. They spread the ball around, and it was really fun to see what this offense can be when it's clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, and I and I think the the thing that I've kind of taken away out of out of these first seven weeks is that you mentioned it, right? Like the the defense has won us games, the running game has won us games. We've done just enough to win games, and this week was like, hey, like this looked like the 2011 Packers at times of just like we're going to put up massive amounts of points. And even when the defense like wasn't doing amazing, like they did just enough, right? Like coming up with some turnovers or what have you. But I think what I love about this is that the Packers just keep finding not only ways to win games, but it's but it's always different showing the different like facets of this team and how good they possibly can be. Because there's going to be like because for example, you go back to 2011, like that's Aaron Rodgers, like 2016, but run the table. That's Aaron Rodgers. Literally, he's like, okay, like I'm going to go out and win this game for you again. Like here we go. Now it doesn't have to be that. The fact that we've gotten all the way over to week seven and we haven't had a quote-unquote Aaron Rodgers-like performance where he literally has to put the team on his back and go score all of these points, I think is phenomenal because the reason why we haven't been able to get over that hump since 2010 is because we are constantly relying on Aaron Rodgers and we didn't put a team around him. And now that you know you have Matt LaFleur and the diversity and the play calling, I am just absolutely in love with. There's a new type of energy that's there. It doesn't matter if you're an undrafted receiver. It doesn't matter if you're running back by committee. It doesn't matter. Like, they're going to find a way to beat you. And and I think just watching that and being like, okay, how are they going to do it this week is super exciting to watch because, like you said, it made it fun again. Yeah, I really did, and I'm 100% with you. Uh, they, they have a variety of different ways that they can be you. I was actually talking uh, pregame uh, with Marcus Eversall, who I do Green Bay Nation and, uh, with every uh, every Tuesdays when we record, and we were kind of discussing the game prior, and I said that one of the ways that I always look at the game is how many different ways can this team beat you? Like, what are the odds that, you know, they could beat you in, in a variety of different ways? And I just thought Green Bay going into today had a lot of different avenues that they could beat the Raiders, whereas the Raiders would have needed, you know, probably a couple different turnovers and some breaks to fall their way in order to beat Green Bay. But, you know, Green Bay, you've got Rodgers. They could win a defensive struggle. They could just win by getting two or three turnovers. They didn't have any sacks today, but they've shown the propensity in games in the past to get to the quarterback on multiple occasions and just be disruptive in that regard. So the fact that they can beat you in a variety of different ways, in a variety of different games, I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of that every game kind of has its own identity. And the reason I say that is you'll, from time to time, see two teams match up and it's like the number one offense versus the number two offense in the league. And it ends up being like a 21 to 17 game. Or you'll see two teams that are very defensive oriented and it ends up becoming a shootout. You just don't know what that game is going to be until it starts being played. And and I think every game has its own unique identity. They've been almost all different games this type of year and Green Bay's at 6-1 and one after all of that. So I think of all the things that are so exciting to take away, it is the fact that they've played in so many different type of games and more often than not come out on top. And had it not been for a couple of red zone issues against the Eagles, potentially could be even a little bit better. But I do want to go back to that Aaron Rodgers performance because uh, we have been talking about how well Aaron Rodgers has been playing of late, but maybe the statistics always didn't show it. Well, today, 25-31, 429 yards, five touchdowns, no picks, another two rushes for six yards and a touchdown. His first perfect quarterback rating of his career, which is hard to believe, 
What did you make of this overall performance from Rodgers? Yeah, I, I think looking at it, like, to be honest, looking immediately, like, at the stats, it actually reminded me of the uh, 2009 wildcard game with Kurt Warner and Rodgers were, like, Warner threw more touchdowns than he did incompletions, and Rodgers almost got there. Like, he, I was just, like, hoping he would throw, like, one more touchdown. Be like, come on, get, like, tie Matt Flynn and get, and get that, uh, that, that franchise record. But, yeah, I mean, like, this was, I think, a, a more traditional win for the Packers. And, and more of what, uh, when I say media, I mean just, like, the overall sports media will focus on and be like, wow, Rodgers is really good. And, like, you, you, you saw from, like, the the layman fan or, like, the people who are not really Packers fans and not really paying attention, like, you know, just, like, the, the overall sports teams fans or, like, you know, someone else. And they're like, oh, like, Aaron Rodgers is not putting up great stats. Like, as you said, they're, they're stats guys are looking at it and they're like, this is not really that impressive. But, I mean, I, I personally think that Rodgers has been impressive with the quality of the teams that he's faced, but also the being able to make those clutch throws and to do it with little weapons. And so today, for him to literally go out without the number one receiver and just ball out the way that he did, I want to say, like, that was a little bit of a way of just like, hey, guys, still here and still (laughs) amazing. And I feel like a lot of teams are going to be like, oh, like, okay. (laughs) Because, again, like, it doesn't matter if it's Aaron Jones – you know, like on the ground, you know, 12 rushes only for 50 yards, but he was a receiving threat, making up for what he did last week. Jamal Williams didn't do a whole lot on the ground. And and it was this was the Aaron Rodgers show, and he spread the ball out, like you said before, you know, everyone getting at least two receptions. MVS coming up with a big 74-yard touchdown. And, and I think it's just a matter of he's like, hey, I don't care who's on this side of the ball with me. It doesn't matter if any of these guys are drafted. Like, we're, I'm going to beat you. And I think that that shows just the, the incredible nature of Aaron Rodgers and that, you know, he's running in for a touchdown. I'm like, man, I can't remember the last time I saw the belt like celebration. And I think it's just a matter of, like, he, he was all smiles for the majority of the game. And I think it just goes to show, like, again, like, that Aaron Rodgers that everyone is so used to seeing and is saying, like, you know, where is he gone? He's still there. He just doesn't have to do that every single week. But every now and then he pops his head out again and is like, hey, just a reminder. Yeah, and it was fun to see that type of play. Uh, I, You know, to me that was – that was a the Aaron Rodgers esque performance that uh, you know he, he he like I said he played with especially last week you go to that Detroit game I thought he was fantastic in that Detroit game but uh, just seeing you know we're not obviously you know box score scouting here or anything like that but just seeing the play on the field and seeing it married with some of those numbers uh, this is again the the, the Aaron Rodgers esque performance that I think we've really been waiting for and really been excited to see and it was just so much fun and it, like you said it wasn't just Devonte beating his man and, and Rodgers consistently hitting and open Devontae Adams. It was hitting every. It didn't matter. It legitimately didn't matter. It didn't matter who he was throwing to, throwing to, why he was throwing there. He was just going to make the throw when the, the throw was there and when he needed to make it. And I thought a couple of things that also stood out. That play, I think it was to Allison uh, to convert a first down where he just took the massive hit uh, from, I think it was Will Harris yep. on the Raiders. That that was just, uh, you know, stand in the pocket. He knows that he's going to get absolutely decked on that play. No flinch. Hits the pass. They 
convert the first down. I thought that was the first. And then the second big takeaway from Rodgers today was just how complimentary he was of his offense in his press conference, uh, complimenting the offensive line, how he had you know pocket a uh, perfect pocket to throw in all day long, complimentary of Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling for battling through and playing through injuries. I, I mean, he was complimentary of everyone. And you can tell, you know, that, like you said, the belt was back. You can tell the excitement that he's playing with. He gets the game ball after the game, and every the entire team is, you know, piling on him, celebrating with him. It's just a different atmosphere, a different team, and you can tell everyone's having fun. Well, I, I think also, and I don't mean for this to be like a hot take, but the fact that, like, Devontae Adams is out may have been the best possible thing for this offense. And what I mean by that is, obviously, Devontae's out, right? The Cowboys game, that's the Aaron Jones show. That's it, right? Like, it's like, okay, we don't even need the, the passing game. We're going to give it to Aaron Jones the entire time. He's going to go and win us this game. Last week, they're like, okay, we're going to rely on the receivers a little bit more. Jamal Williams is obviously getting involved, but a, a bit sloppier, right? The offense wasn't clicking. You know, you had, you had some turnovers. You had uh, some poor play. But this week, they were like, okay, this is our third week now without our number one wide receiver. Like, we've been talking about the growing pains that were going to exist and again, like I'm, I'm sitting here as a huge Packer diehard. If you were going to tell me we were going to be six and one after seven weeks, I would have been thrilled with that, and probably been a little skeptical considering the the competition that we would have been playing. And the fact that we've been able to do this without Devontae and really trust the receivers that we have there, and you have like Lazard getting more playing time, et cetera. Like, and even for Gmo, who's had some problem with drops, right? Like he came up clutch for a couple catches today. I think that this is just an overall team performance and has helped gel this offense together. And like you said, it is completely and totally week to week, and who knows what kind of Packers team we're going to see next Sunday against the Chiefs. But I think this goes a long way in like setting up that foundation for the rest of the season to be like, hey, even if we have injuries, it literally is next man up. It's not a phrase anymore because we've proven that we can win with whoever we have on the field. I'm 100% with you, and I think for players, I know we only had two catches today, but players like Marquez Valdez-Scantling who need to step up in the absence of, of Devontae Adams, I just think it's going to make his life so much easier when he knows that he's capable of kind of being the guy in the offense from time to time, uh, that you know he's going to see himself in more favorable matchups when Devontae Adams is on the field. This is an opportunity for growth for the receivers and for this offense with Devontae out, and if they can you know continue that momentum and then get him back at some point, in which, of course, they will. Uh, just a, a huge, huge opportunity for those younger players, and I agree with you unequivocally that that is going to be something that is going to help them at the end of the year much more than it is actually going to hurt, and certainly hasn't hurt them yet. Uh, they've been really, really good without Adams up until this point, so we'll see if they continue that against Kansas City, but let's jump over to the defensive side of the, the ball. What did you see out of the defense, and what were your takeaways there? Yeah, so originally what I was seeing, so obviously we don't have Savage, but what I saw originally is that like, I feel like the Raiders, the number one thing was to be like, okay, we need to stop Josh Jacobs, who's an incredible running back. And that first drive, I was like, oh, no. Like, this, this no, this, this is not going to stop, like, Josh Jacobs. And then they were running the ball down our throat. The defense was able to come up big, you know, and, and, and avoid them getting in the end zone. But um, what I saw a lot of is a lot of quick passes by Derek Carr, and it was very similar to what I saw with the Eagles game because how – Carson Wentz was able to beat us is literally just like get the ball out quickly, you know, run those little like slant routes, what have you, and and be able to like nickel and dive them, run it when you can, and that's it. And when you have a power back like Josh Jacobs, you know, that makes that much easier if, if we can't stop the run. 
And, you know, you, you didn't see, uh, you obviously didn't see sacks. You didn't see uh, a, a ton of pressure, less than there obviously has been. Um, but, again, going back to 2011 again, like, it did remind me a little bit, or excuse me, 2010, of, like, that bend-don't-break defense, but you get those turnovers when you absolutely need them. Now, Derek Carr fumbling and making it a touchback, that was a nice little stroke of luck. I'll take that. But Amos, you know, tipping it, and Kevin King picking it off in the end zone, that was great. But you do see some of, like, the same problems emerge. This team is definitely missing Savage. But, like, you know, Darren Waller going off today had over 120 yards, I believe, and then two touchdowns. One was in garbage time. But, you know, there there is, like, that allowance of, like, those big plays. It seems like we played, like, a lot off the receivers and kind of, like, let them play. And, you know, Gruden will take advantage of that. And at times he absolutely did. And so I think when it comes to the defense, like not only we've been talking about offense and how they find different ways to win as well, but I feel like the defense also has done that because there have been times where we've like locked that up by, you know, we've been struggling against number one receivers or tight ends or what have you, and we've locked that down, you know, by the, the second half. This one, you know, it, it took a little bit tougher to get going, but the, the nice thing about the offense is we built this league that it kind of took Josh Jacobs out of the game a little bit and they, it forced them to throw a little bit more. And so while they did let up a ton of yardage, like, you know, by, like, the halfway through the third quarter, you're like, okay, we've, like, built a significant enough lead where we, we feel at least somewhat safe. Yeah, and I think those are, are both right. And, in fact, I think you are stealing my notes here because those are basically the exact two things. <laughs> you're all good. Uh, two exact things I had on my paper here. So uh, the first is it was kind of like this ultimate bend but don't break performance. So, uh, yeah, they gave up a ton of yardage, uh, 484 yards to be exact. But uh, you kind of look at, you know, 17 points before GT or before garbage time, basically. They gave up 17 points. And you look at some huge drives that they had. They had a 56-yard drive to open the game where Green Bay held them to a field goal. They had the 74-yard drive that was the fumble out of the end zone. Another 74-yard drive that was a turnover on downs at the one-yard line. And then a 43-yard drive that was the Kevin King interception. So that is a ton of yards that they gave up on those four specific drives that resulted in three points for the Raiders. So that bend but don't break, I know like you said, they kind of got a little bit maybe lucky on the fumble, but a good hustle by Blake Martinez at the same time to get over there. Uh, the interception, the, the the turnover on downs, which was uh, a couple big uh, run stops there at the end. Even before the fumble, though, I think it was uh, Preston Smith and um, uh, B.J. Goodson who converted uh, to make a stop where they it, it forced them out of the end zone and forced that Derek Carr play. So uh, they were holding up tighter in the red zone uh, Again, they only gave up 17 total points pre-garbage time, and they had six red zone attempts with only 17 points allowed. You figure six red zone attempts. Mm-hmm. If they if they kick field goals every time uh, at that point, 37-yard field goals at worst, that should be 18 points almost verbatim. So uh, only giving up 17 there is a huge win for the red zone defense. I will say I was a tad bit disappointed in the game plan. I had to feel going in that Jair Alexander, Tremont Williams, and Kevin King were going to match up really well with their kind of beat-up receiving core. Uh, yet Josh Jacobs and the tight ends were the players that I felt that they really needed to focus on and shut down, but the running backs and tight ends totaled for 354 of the 484 yards of offense. They had all three touchdowns, basically 73% of the yards and 100% of the touchdowns. Jacobs, Waller are really, really good players, but I thought that they would potentially focus on those two a little bit more and try to shut them down, and they really didn't necessarily have answers for either of them throughout the game. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I, I thought, like, that would be a little bit adjusted, at least in, like, the second quarter, or at least bare minimum the second half. Um, and, again, we're not, we're not counting garbage time. But, yeah, there, there should have been a big emphasis on that. And, thankfully, we had that lead. But, you know, similar to even the Detroit game, you know, our defense, even when there's three turnovers, we were able to hold strong and, and hold the Lions to, to field goals. And here we were able to hold them to limited points as well. And, and, you know, some of the things that I saw, like, some of the things just didn't make sense. Like, if, for example, like, the, the Waller touchdown, like, we had B.J. Goodson in coverage over him, like, right on the goal line, which, which did, like, B.J. Goodson, you know, great at run stopping, not really great in coverage. To put him on Waller really didn't make a whole lot of sense there. I feel like Redmond, who's been a – I will sing his praises. Redmond has been a great, like, step-up guy, and he's come up clutch in a bunch of different situations. He struggled in coverage today. Um I think I think I just expected a little bit more um, from those players, and and Blake Martinez, you know, was a tackling machine today as he has been. Uh, missed a couple of them, but um, he's one of those guys that like I feel like the fan base is kind of like divided on. They're like either he's trash or he's like a staple of this team because he always is like leading the team in tackles. Um, and like the guy does work, and like you said, he made that hustle on on Derek Carr there. But I feel like there there definitely is some issues that need to be addressed by this defense. They're never going to be perfect every single week, and, and thankfully they didn't have to be this week, and that's, I think, what makes a balanced team. Like you said, every single game has a narrative, and there's going to be times where the defense completely just craps the bed, and then there's going to be, and the offense is going to have to pick it up for them, and then there's times where, like, week one, you're, the defense is going to win you the game, and the offense literally doesn't have to do pretty much anything except score a couple points. But, you know, again, I think that shows the tenacity of a team and a well-balanced team at that. Yeah, and a lot easier to learn those lessons and a lot easier to come back and try to do, uh, you know, kind of better the next week when you're coming off a win still. And you can kind of learn those in a game where you did only put up 17 points before. Again, it was garbage time. And uh, you did kind of bend but not break. So they can fix hopefully some of those big plays, uh, fix hopefully some of those uh, run assignments and those tight end assignments to, to kind of get those cleaned up before Kansas City. By the way, Travis Kelsey will be a major issue. If Darren Waller was an issue, Travis Kelsey will probably be an issue. So that'll be something that they have a lot of tape to look at and we'll try to see what they can get fixed and and I think they'll definitely do so going into this week. Obviously Aaron Rodgers was the MVP of this game. I don't think there's any uh you know takeaway besides that, but I do want to get your MVPs maybe one on offense, one on defense in this game besides number 12. Yeah, so um a guy for me who I think needed to have a big game and who has needed to have a big game was Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham has been absolutely roasted by this fan base. And in many times, well-earned, considering he is, I'm pretty sure he's still the highest paid tight end at this point uh, in the league. And, you know, someone tagged me on Twitter. I want to say it was a few hours before the game. It might have been yesterday. uh, And, like, a little, like, promo that the Packers released showed Mercedes Lewis instead of Jimmy Graham. And they're like, oh, is this a sign of things to come? And, you know, even Aaron Nagler has asked about, you know, Jimmy Graham and kind of his underperformance. And and LaFleur has talked about, you know, like, they still have a ton of confidence in Jimmy Graham. And I feel like it was almost of just like, hey, Jimmy, we support you, buddy. Like, you're, it's going to be okay. And, you know, he, he's talking about, like, how much of a big critic he is of himself and what have you. And I think just, like, going four for 65 with a touchdown – 
I think just like the amount of emotion that came out on that, that was a great touchdown grab by him. It was a little bit of a low ball, able to, to scoop it up and get a TD. But the emotion and when it seemed like relief of just like, okay, like we're, we're good. Like we, we can do this. <laughs> I think is so important because I think, like, the mentality that you're in is just as important. Like, you look at guys like Allison or, like you were talking about before, with MVS. Like, sometimes it is, like, we're in our own head. You saw that with Jamon Moore. That went the other way. The guy was incredibly talented but, like, got in his own head and couldn't get over the drop issue. And and Graham has been through a lot of scrutiny. You obviously drafted a a young tight end in, in Jay Sternberger who will be coming back. And Jimmy Graham needed to prove that he belonged on this team and in this offense. And I think that he showed again that he can still be a viable weapon. He's had issues with blocking this year, very blatant issues with that. But in this this particular game, he played well. And so if we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers, I, I think Graham deserves some mention because this was a game for him where he was like, hey, like I'm still here too. Yeah, 100%. Uh, anyone on the defensive side at all that stood out to you? For the defensive side of the ball, I mean, again, there, there's props that go out to Blake Martinez for, for his tackling abilities. Um, and, and, pre- and I feel like Preston Smith, did. he had some pressures on there. There was a couple times that he almost got to, uh, to Carson Wentz. Um, but, like, if there had to be, like, a single guy overall that played well – Kevin King adjusted really well because he got blown up for a couple coverages in the beginning. Um, so I would say, like, his, his turnover was good. But I'm going to say Amos overall with the consistency because consistently he's been a damn good player. And without, like, you know, that pick is set up by him. Um, so I think Amos, you know, didn't get blown up too much today. I think he's been a consistently good player. And, again, you know, people were talking about this, especially Bears fans, you know, comparing him to HaHa Clinton Dix, how he basically just traded. And, you know, with HaHa Clinton Dix, you had the, oh, well, look how many turnovers or interceptions he's had. And, yeah, that's great. But Amos brings a consistency to that position that we have not had. And I think that that showed again today that he was all over the field, whether it was making tackles or whether it was in coverage. So um, if I had to do a defensive MVP, I'd probably say Amos. Yeah, I like those picks a lot, both Graham and Amos. I think both of them deserve a shout-out. And I think with Amos, too, one of the things uh, that that maybe goes a little bit unnoticed as well is he is this so far this year. He's played some of that box safety. He's played a little bit of hybrid linebacker. He's played, uh, you know, some single high safety. He's played cover two, obviously. But he's been playing next to Chandon Sullivan, Will Redman, mm-hmm. Raven Green, Darnell Savage. He's had a lot. Of, Josh Jackson at times. He's had a lot of different players next to him in a lot of different positions. Even Blake Martinez when he's been playing next to him at linebacker. So regardless of where he's been, regardless of who's been playing next to him, he's been the same consistent player week in and week out and after years of haha clinton dix and kentrell bryce and mm-hmm. everyone else <laughs> and their mom who <laughs> has struggled at safety over the course of the last half decade yeah. having somebody back there who you just can count on and it's yep. not always going to be the sexiest it's not always going to be the flashiest but it's going to be consistent and you know what you're getting on a down-by-down basis man i can't even imagine how that must feel uh, from a different standpoint from uh, from last season from mike Patton. and it's just so nice even as a, a fan and as an analyst to just watch him out there and kind of do his job. And the very first run by Josh Jacobs, he got run over, and I noted immediately that's how you know Josh Jacobs is good because nobody does that to Adrian Amos pretty much ever. He's about as consistent as it comes in those scenarios. Um, I get I get uh, criticized sometimes for being 
basic in my uh, my picks for MVP. I'm going to stay fairly basic this week. Uh, I, I thought the offensive line was tremendous, so they get my MVP besides Rodgers, consistently providing him with good pockets. I know that's a really uh, silly cop-out answer, but I'm going offensive line this week. I do definitely think that they deserve it. And then just Jair Alexander. I don't think he did anything phenomenal, uh, but I thought he was consistent on the outside, was his usual self. It was tough to pick a defensive MVP in this game, but I thought him being able to consistently shut down his side of the field and his receiver uh, just made things kind of easier for the rest of the defense because you could kind of count on what he was doing as well. But I definitely like your picks of uh, Graham and Amos and certainly well worth the recognition there. Now, I thought one of the, I'm oh, curious. I actually have a question for you. Yeah. So we, we saw a little bit this, this guy who has barely seen the field except on special teams, and we just mentioned him as Josh Jackson. And so Josh Jackson played a little bit near, like, in garbage time, right? Um, You know, was on a couple coverages, had a couple big catches on him. I'm curious of of what your take is on Josh Jackson, because for me, uh, obviously, the the amount of hype coming off this kid, (laughs) coming out of the draft, and everyone's like, we should take him in the first round. And I was like, no, we should not (laughs) take him in the first round, because I think he played eight games. I think it was eight. He was a starter. Yep. It was something, it was like something completely minimal. And and while that season was amazing, I'm like, there's going to be a huge adjustment period from college to the NFL. You saw this last year, and he's not getting a ton of reps this year because, again, like he's still adjusting to that. And people were talking about, well, maybe we'll put him over at linebacker or maybe we'll, you know, we'll put him in safety or we'll put him in all over the field. And I'm curious if kind of like based on what Josh Jackson did minimally today in his role and the minimalist role that he's had throughout this season, are you expecting more or are you kind of like a, hey, let's wait and see him develop because he could be really good, but like he still needs to acclimate to the NFL? Yeah, it's it's a struggle for, for Josh right now, and I think you saw that in this game as well on the outside in that garbage time. Uh, he allowed a couple big plays. I think he allowed the touchdown as well, yep. or at least was involved as well, if I remember correctly. So uh, it has absolutely been a little bit of a struggle for him. So let's go back to college. Not only was it only a handful of games, uh, but he almost played predominantly off-ball zone coverage uh, through the majority of that year at Iowa. So he was playing one specific coverage with his eyes on the quarterback, and he was very, very good at that. Uh, he comes to the NFL and he has to consistently play uh, a lot of man. He's got, he of course plays some zone, but he's playing a lot more press. He, it's just a totally different ball game. And then I don't think they necessarily did him any favors last year either by not only having to go through that transition, but they played him a ton in the slot last year, mm-hmm. which is really probably of all the defensive back positions, probably the one that he's suited for least. So I, I don't think that they necessarily again did him any favors. He comes back this season and he was a little bit higher in the pecking order to begin with. He played uh, some, and I, I think it was the Philadelphia game, and Ben Fennell and I were actually discussing a couple notes that we had, I had reached out to him on, actually, because I was curious as to a couple plays uh, on what happened on the play, and Ben's just absolutely the best at it. And him and I were kind of reviewing it, and it looked like there were two or three plays where Josh was not lined up correctly or you know doing his assignment correctly at all, which obviously was a big mistake. And then the next week they came back, and they, they didn't play him, and Shannon Sullivan was ahead of him in that pecking order, even at the cornerback position. So I think he is 
uh, a bit behind the eight ball. I think he is still going through that massive learning curve. I think it's disappointing that he gets some snaps at outside corner in garbage time, and that's the time where he gets an opportunity to, to prove himself a little bit and say against Mike Glennon, against maybe some not so ideal, you know, or some you know big time receivers that he can at least shut that type of thing down, and he didn't. So he still has a ways to go. It's it's very early in his career, and I don't think uh, if, if anyone's seen what players like Devonta Adams did in their mm-hmm. sophomore year, I would say do not give up on him yet. But uh, there's there's some concerns there to say the least. I do I will say this. I think they've used him in a couple different games, both last year and this year, as kind of a a tight end shutdown type guru. And when I've seen him in that role specifically, I think he's been really good. He did very well against Trey Burton uh, last year against Chicago. And then there was, I think it actually was in that Eagles game where he was having some success on the Eagles tight end. I'd have to go back and remember which one it was specifically. But in some of those specific roles, he's played well. So I do still think that there can be a role for him, similar as to a a B.J. Goodson, who's a, a run defender. You know, I think he can have that type of role. I just think that they sometimes need to use him in that as well, where today Darren Waller was kind of killing them at times. I would have loved to see them bring in Josh Jackson, man him up, and see if he could maybe do some work in that situation or scenario. So I think they can use him better, but he needs to play better ultimately as well. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Like, I'm I'm totally not, like, giving up on, on him at all. Because, again, like, it was going to be a learning curve. He's being put into a position that, that is definitely not ideal. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, he's going he's gonna to have to fight for the playing time. And while you would like to see more, you know, if the only playing time that he is getting is in garbage time, like, again, like, there, there's, there's a lack of experience that is there. Like, he needs to get as many reps as he possibly can without being a liability. And so when you do see him struggling against Mike Glennon, you're like, okay, like, we, we, we still got lots of work to do. Yeah, no, for sure, uh, and I'm hoping that he can still be a, a very good player. You know, another player who played uh, some in that, that garbage time was Kadar Holloman, and I thought he actually looked pretty good in man coverage out on the outside, so uh, we'll see what happens. They, they've got good corners. I've been impressed with Chandon Sullivan when he's played this year, both at corner and safety, and that versatility helps him a ton. Like I said, Kadar Holloman played well in garbage time today, so, uh, so some good corners there, and we'll see what happens with Josh Jackson. ton of talent, uh, but still a lot to put together. I thought... One of the other key takeaways from this game, of course, you had MVS and Geronimo Allison playing in this game, Hurts playing injured. Uh, you had the three inactives, uh, Devontae Adams, Darnell Savage, and Robert Tanyan, who could not play due to injury, but it didn't seem like, knock on wood, there were any new significant injuries that came out of this game, at least not that I saw uh, at first glance. Plus, as you mentioned earlier, Jay Sternberger will be you know, potentially coming back in a couple weeks from injury. They have uh, um, Campbell, who Ibrahim Campbell, excuse me, who uh, could potentially come back at some point off of the list as well. Is this a team that could get better just based off of its health? And, and did they come out of a game actually healthy for once? What was your take on that? Yeah, I mean, and I think like every single Packer fan is just like, what is this no injury thing? And then a lot of people <laughs> are, are focusing on like the Devontae Adams, right? And and particular today about like Savage and things like that. But I, I think it, the the health of this team is, because we go through this every single year, every single year, they're like, our offensive line is just decimated by injuries. Brian Bulaga has already missed, like, four games at this point or, like, right. is, is questionable every single week. Like, it's and, – and you know what? It's funny because, like, you see, like, on Twitter, like, when they post, like, the, the injury list, like, it's massive. And you're like, oh, 
<laughs> oh, okay. Like, someone was, like, reaching out to me and was like, why is Aaron Rodgers on the injury list? I was like, it's okay. He's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But I think it's a matter of, like, hey, like, the Packers are being, like, super transparent. Like, look at everyone who's, like, not practicing or has limited participation or what have you. Um, but, no, I think that has definitely been a an underrated part of this season thus far. And I personally am, am more of a fan, if we can't get it in the middle, I'm a fan of, like, the later bye weeks, especially with this team, because I find that, like, when we have, like, a week four, week five, or even week six bye week, like, then all the injuries come after that, and we're like, well, crap, we don't get a break anymore. So I'm actually, like, again, we're knocking on all the wood possible. <laughs> but, like, I'm, I'm so excited that, like, we're, we're kind of, like, rocking with the team that we have because, again, it allows them to gel together. And so while, yes, missing Devontae Adams – who knows? Rodgers probably could have put up seven touchdowns today and beat Matt Flynn for the record against the Lions. But, again, it's allowing this team to actually have some cohesion. Like, that offensive line, like, I, I cannot remember, like, a time where that offensive line, it's been, like, very similar or the same pieces on every single position for a good stretch of time during the season. Because it felt like we were constantly swapping people out, uh, like, in different positions because of injury or what have you. And I think, like, that plays a huge role in it because you know who you can rely on. You know who that you can support. Billy Turner, for example, who has struggled a few times. I'm pretty sure he had a uh, holding call today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, You know, like, he seemed to kind of get better as as the weeks have progressed. And and I think that that uh, that is absolutely huge for the Packers. And if we're going to be successful this season, especially in this incredibly competitive division, Um, we need to stay healthy. And I know that sounds something like very obvious, but right now we're doing that. And I think that's a key part of why we're being successful. Yeah, I feel like there's two games every single week uh, when when the Packers play. It's not only the, the score and the outcome of the game, but then it's like at the end you look and it's like, all right, what did it cost us? Who's hurt for yeah. the for the foreseeable yeah. future, and how are we going to be able to overcome that? And it's it's of course not just for the Packers; it's for every single team. And you see these massive injuries pile up every week. Uh, you know, Keem Hicks went on IR for the Bears this week, yep. and you saw them. Their run defense just wasn't remotely the same this week. So this is not unique to Green Bay. Sometimes it feels like it, uh, <laughs> but it's certainly not. And uh, there is always that secondary reaction of, "Yeah, great, we won," but oh, it you know we got three <laughs> people on IR uh, because of that when it's kind of like the uh, the Thanos, what did it cost you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, kind of meme. But uh, th- this one was a, a seemingly, uh, again, knock on wood, it was a double win, not only a big win, but a, a win on the injury scorecard, quote-unquote, as well. Uh, to finish up today, let's kind of go a little bit lightning round. I want to get your to- or thoughts on a, a couple quick topics here. First of all, I just want to get your quick thought. How good is this team, and how good can they be? Um, I think that what we have seen for the past seven weeks is a mixture of balance, and I don't think that either side of the ball have reached their full potential, um, which is incredibly exciting, and considering that I thought that the amount of, we were going to go through so many growing pains over the first half of this season, and the fact that we have only lost one game over the seven-game stretch, uh, I think we're pretty damn good. And while you have teams like the Patriots who are undefeated, they're not going up against a a real ton of competition. We have gone up against competition. The majority of the teams that we have played, they've had winning records, or at least they are better than their record indicates. 
And and I think again, like I, I think that's a, that's a big notch like in the belt. And again, every single game is different and what have you. And they play teams differently. The Eagles look like absolute crap tonight. But and, and people in the stream were like, how the hell did this team beat us? But again, like it's a short week. You know, things happen. Every single play is or every single game is different. But, yeah, I think this team can be really damn good. And if that defense is the defense that we have seen, like those flashes of holy crap were amazing, and you have an offense that performed like today, yeah, this team is going to be really difficult to stop. I feel like the only other team that I have looked at who has played quality opponents and has played at this high level is the New Orleans Saints. The Saints have just, like, their head QB goes down, that's fine. We're going 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater. Kamara's out, that's fine. We're going to rock it with Latavius Murray. And they're getting it done, and that's a matter of good coaching and depth. And I feel like that these two teams are, like, somewhat on a collision course because I'm like, yes, I want to see which one is better. Yeah, and I think uh, you hit the nail on the head there, too, those two teams, specifically the Saints and the Packers. And the reason I think it is that way, again, not only the competition that they've played, both have played winning football. Uh, both, I believe, are at 6-1. and one. Uh, Maybe the Saints are at 5-1, I can't recall, but they're both right there. They're, no, they're both at 6-1. and one. And uh, they, I don't think either has played their peak football yet. They still have not reached their ceiling, which is what you want for really good teams at this point, playing really good football, playing winning football, finding ways to win, but not putting everything all together right yet. A big part of that for the Saints is, of course, not having Drew Brees for the last handful of weeks, but I'm 100% with you. I think those two are the two that have stood out. That really brings us to the next topic. I know you're obviously always keeping a, an eye across the league. Vikings beat the Lions today. Bears lost to the Saints. Uh, Saints and 49ers both win. Seahawks lose. What were your takeaways around the NFL today? Yeah, so starting with the NFC North, um, the Lions, again, like, they, they they kept it in there. They had a chance at the very, very end uh, and, and couldn't get it done, and I was pulling for them. And the Vikings at the beginning of October, I said the Vikings are going to have a good month. There's a good chance that they go undefeated in this month. And while, like, you know, they lost against the Bears and uh, lost against the Packers, and everyone was like, oh, Kirk Cousins sucks and all that stuff, and listen, I'm totally fine with, like, pouring the gasoline on that conversation every single day and just be like, hey, guys, you paid $84 million for him. Like, every day, that brings me joy. But that being said, they are playing against teams with weak secondaries, and because of that, Kirk Cousins is going to ball out like he has. He's thrown, I think, 300 yards in the past three games. He's thrown four touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, and I think that's calming a lot of the Minnesotians and saying, like, okay, like, we, we have a team, like we have a contender here. And I think right now they're the ones obviously who are standing out within the division because if they get that confidence and they have guys like Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and I know Thielen got hurt today, but if they're happy and healthy and they're not like, wow, my QB sucks because he can't throw to me, I, that does a lot for a team because like you, you look at this team like three weeks ago, that locker room was about to kill each other. They're going on podcasts talking about how terrible their QB is and stuff like that. And Stephon Diggs is saying there's truth to rumors, you know, that he's unhappy and things like that. Like that is not good for a team. And, and that's not a team that comes together and, and wins a lot of games. But, you know, right now they're both, they're all putting up stats and they're all doing well. So the Vikings are standing out. The Bears, they have the same offensive troubles, whether it's with Chase Daniel or you have Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky obviously playing to gay and struggled mightily. And a lot of people point at that defense. I know you mentioned Akeem Hicks and him being out on IR. That hurts that team. Khalil Mack is great, but what makes Khalil Mack so great is everyone's going to be like, we need to focus on him, and guys like Akeem Hicks can make huge plays. And so with him out, you know, it, it is next man up there. But when the offense is constantly going three and out and you barely have any rest, 
even the best of defenses like the Bears are going to struggle. So if they don't figure out their offensive struggles, they are going to be in trouble. And, you know, the Lions, they're going to be in an uphill battle. You know, the, the game last week, it, it was controversy. It came down to a close call, but, you know, they had some rough breaks. And them now losing to the Packers and Vikings back-to-back is going to make it very difficult for them to win the division. Yeah, I think with the Lions, I think they're going to, uh, you know, at the end of the day, rue the fact that they, in the, their first five games, didn't win maybe all five of those games because they had the opportunity to, yep. uh, specifically with the Cardinals, they had opportunities against the Packers. Uh, I just think that they they could have won every single one of those games. They didn't, you know, I know some of the, the officiating things came up to that, but now all of a sudden they sit at 2-3-1 and one and uh, are at the bottom of the division, and it's going to be tough for them to bounce back, and they're going to have to figure out a way to do so. And Chicago just uh, does not look like the team they were a season ago. Uh, certainly Mitch Trubisky has not improved like they had hoped he would. Uh, again, with Akeem Hicks being out in the middle of that defensive line, the defense doesn't look quite the same. And the Saints with Teddy Bridgewater definitely took it to them. They put up quite a, a lot of yards and points in garbage time as well, but the Saints completely own them at, in Chicago through the majority of the game. So uh, the, the division is going to be tough. There's no way around that. The last three games of the season against Minnesota, Chicago, and Detroit uh, will definitely have a huge bearing on how this season turns out, but uh, I think Green Bay's in a good spot being 3-0 and already. They still get Chicago at home, and then they'll finish out with those two tough games on the road. So uh, lots to take out of this. Uh, before we go, I do want to get finally just a quick look ahead uh, to what you're looking forward to the Chiefs game this coming Sunday. Yeah, I, I got to admit, um, I was actually really excited to see Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers duel it out, even if it meant my team losing, just because like that was going to be a really fun game. Like, it, I, like I, I just as a football fan, I was like, yeah, this, this is a Sunday night game that I want to see. So with Mahomes being out, obviously this tremendously helps the Packers' chances of winning that game. But I think a lot of people are already like saying, oh, Mahomes is out. Let's look past this team, which I think is a huge mistake. And the defense of the Chiefs, while they have definitely struggled, looked a lot better against the Broncos on Thursday night. And listen, you, you mentioned Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs have a ton of weapons that they can beat you with. And it's Matt Moore. Like He, he, he looked fine against the Broncos defense, who has stepped it up over the past two weeks. And so, you know, they had a little bit of an extra rest, and it's in Arrowhead on Sunday night. You know, this is not going to be an easy game to win, and the Packers need to put up points, and their defense needs to get pressure on their backup quarterback. Um, I think there's a good chance we do win this game, but for fans, like, sleeping on it and thinking, like, oh, we're going to be able to, like, walk into Arrowhead and just beat them willy-nilly, I think it's going to be a lot harder than, than what it's supposed to be. And like here, like with the Raiders, too, a lot of before Mahomes was even hurt, we were looking past the Raiders and being like, oh, like here we go. And, and they, they put up a fight today. You know, it's, it's any given Sunday in the NFL. You know, the Dolphins, can, the Dolphins put up a fight today, you know, and the, the 49ers and Redskins, it was a 9 nothing game. And so looking at next week, I still think there are a ton of weapons on the offense that can beat them. Travis Kelsey, I think, is going to give us a ton of problems. They, they have some questions at, at running back, so maybe we'll be okay in, in the run defense. But with guys like Tyreek Hill, like, again, like, there's so much firepower on that offense. Our defense needs to be ready, and our offense also needs to be able to compete with that. I think we can definitely put points on the board, which we might need to. Yeah, Andy Reid with, with 10 days to prepare with Matt Moore, knowing that he's going to go into the game with Matt. I know he is going to have a game plan ready. I think he's going to have everyone else ready to step up. And honestly, 
I think the the Raiders put a pretty good game plan with what the Chiefs' weapons are and, and how to use a quarterback that's not necessarily uh, super efficient at pushing the ball downfield. That's a very similar game plan to what Andy Reid can kind of use. Similar West Coast style of offenses. I know Andy's got a, a quite a few different wrinkles based off of that, but uh, I think that they can use a lot of those similar things. And uh, you know, in a game like that, it's not too dissimilar to the, the game sometimes that the Packers had when they had good offenses with Matt Flynn and. Uh, you just kind of disperse the ball to your weapons. You put them in an opportunity to win, and you don't turn the ball over much. They're going to have a clean, crisp game plan, and I'm with you. Kansas City is never an easy place to play, and if Green Bay goes in there and, and takes that game lightly because Mahomes is out, uh, I think that would be uh, doing that game a disservice. And they have to find a way not to look past that and still get out of there with a, a win, even though Mahomes is out of there. So I, I'm with you. I don't think that's going to be an easy game. Hopefully it is. Hopefully I'm wrong. I would love to be yeah, wrong. Yeah, exactly. I'd love to be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. All right, Tom, this was absolutely fantastic. Any final thoughts for today? You know, it's funny because when I start, when we started um, this season, I was looking at these next two games. I was like, wow. Even the next potential three games, I was like, this is going to be tough. Like, Chiefs, Chargers, like, those are going to be rough. The Chiefs, again, died down a little bit, still going to be tough. Chargers, it's basically going to be like Lambeau Field, <laughs> considering that the Chargers can't even get fans in their own team. But you know, the Packers are in a position right now where they are complete control of their own destiny and that they are 3-0 and in the division, like you said. They're off to an amazing 6-1 and start. And, you know, there's potential that they really can go. I think if we're looking on paper, you know, the Panthers are going to give us, like, a big problem, and who knows what the 49ers are, are doing at that point. Um, but I, I think the division is most likely going to come down to the last three games. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if the Vikings are in there at the end. And I really wouldn't be surprised if the Bears find a way to bounce back and Matt Nagy actually learns, you know, some how to deal with their lack of a quarterback at this time. Um, but I, I think that for Packers fans, like, the beginning of this season literally is a dream come true. We, there was a lot of expectations. There was a lot of these past two years have been rough. Uh, and, and, and last year kind of just all culminated. And, and I think we need to kind of, like, take a step back and just be incredibly grateful that, one, we get to watch Aaron frickin' Rodgers play for our team, who, like, you know, he reminded us all today of, like, holy crap, man. Like, that man can play football. Like, he really can. And we, I think we sometimes take advantage of that. And, like, you know, we see, like, you know, five really good throws in a game, and then, like, the stat line is not there. And we're like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. But, like, that guy is really good at football. And, you know, for us to sit here with a brand-new head coach, with a brand-new coordinator, our defensive coordinator only in his second year, like, there's a reason why Matt LaFleur is, like, miles ahead of other rookie head coaches right now. Because this doesn't happen very often, that a rookie head coach is walking in here and a team is going 6-1. and one. And, you know, with, with all the talent that has been, you know, collected here, especially on the defensive side of the ball, like, I, I do want to take a step back, take a deep breath, and be like, okay, it's nice to actually have the Packers playing winning football, and then we move on for the rest of the season. Yeah, well said. I couldn't have said it any better myself. It's fun to see this offense. It's fun to see this team. And it's so amazing to see a rookie coach come in and have this success. The team has bought into his system. The team has bought into this team. It is so fun to watch. And I think, to me, that's still the ultimate biggest takeaway is you have some of these rookie head coaches right now across the NFL who are struggling. They are not playing good football at all. And everything is in shambles because of it. Uh, you know, you don't have that buy-in. The players aren't 
aren't listening, aren't, aren't focusing quite the same, and it is the exact opposite here in Green Bay. Everyone's on the, seemingly on the same page. Everyone's uh, fighting for each other. People want to play through injuries. People want to play for this team. They want to be out on the field, and it is a very exciting you know time uh, to be a Green Bay Packer fan. And talk about just – I went into this offseason thinking that this was – maybe the biggest off season of of one of, of my lifetime potentially and in a very long time probably at least since uh you know some of the the Ron Wolf Reggie White Brett Favre type of stuff way back in the day but you talk about getting a new head coach deciding to retain your defensive coordinator signing a new offensive coordinator uh you know having two top 20 25 draft picks and then going out and spending a ton of money on four big free agents. I mean, you're just not going to have very many off seasons where that much is at stake. And this early to have so many positive results. And listen, we saw Matt Nagy as a rookie head coach be fantastic and mm-hmm. now come back down to life a little bit. You know, it, it, nothing's for sure in the NFL. You know, Darnell Savage could have a, an amazing first half of his career and he could, you know, bust going forward. We don't know. We don't know what Elton Jenkins is going to be long term. Uh, we don't know what Rashawn Gary is going to be long term, good, good or bad. You know, it, it's not super promising at the moment, but there's a lot of really promising things there at the same time. We don't know if these free agents are going to live out through the majority of their contracts. We don't know what Matt LaFleur is going to be like three, four years from now. But man, the initial takeaways from this entire offseason is so incredibly good and it's it's just like I said it's so fun to see and kudos to Brian Gutekunst and everyone in that organization for putting them in the position that they are right now yeah and, and I, I think it's funny because everyone was asking like the predictions of like you know what Tom what do you think the record is going to be for the Packers and I'm like sitting there and I'm like I gotta be honest like this could all blow up in our face like everything sure. that you just said could go completely wrong like the Darius Smith could not live up to that. Preston Smith could not live, you know what I mean? Our defense could be just as bad as it was, and you'd have a new head coach in, and all the crap that was talked about of Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers not getting along, what have you. And listen, you know, you hear it over and over again, and you're like, all right, is there, like, some truth there? Like, you know, is you start to doubt yourself a little bit. Like, this could have gone so poorly, and the fact that it has gone so well for the first seven games like, you know, the Packers, it might, listen, they might fall off a cliff starting in Kansas City, but at least I'm going to have these seven games that will be like, that was really nice. Like, that, that, was a, that was a really good stretch of games. And, and again, this doesn't happen often. And so while we're in it, yeah, like, let's cherish it. Because, like, you look at the Cowboys, right, like their rookie year with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott going to the divisional game, and thankfully the Packers beating them. But, like, you're just like, wow. What a team. Like, they're going to be, like, incredible every single year. And for them not to get either into the playoffs or pass the divisional round, you're just like, that. that's how pressured it is. Like, sometimes it's just one season that it all comes together, and hopefully you make it over the hump into the Super Bowl and win. But for a lot of teams, like, you know, it, it's not that. And, and for us to have this right now, the success that we're having, yeah, we really need to be grateful for it. 100% agree. Uh, we said at the onset that we might be able to talk for four hours and we have to edit it down to three. Uh, we, I, I feel like we absolutely could go three to four hours, but I think it's probably time to wrap it up on that note, on that incredibly positive note. Before we do so, tell us again where we can find your work and uh, where we can find you out on Twitter. Absolutely. So it's at Tom Grossi Comedy, T-O-M-G-R-O-S-S-I Comedy, at everything for social media. 
And yeah, uh, it's Tom Grassi on YouTube, which is where the podcast is uh, always there. And uh, you know, at this point, we're doing like eight to eleven videos a week, and we're streaming every single live game. So yeah, come on over. But if you heard this for like five minutes, you're like, "Whoa, I can't stand like that Muppet of a voice." Yeah, it's not for you. So I, I but I get that a lot, and I completely and totally understand. <laughs> Well, it should be for everyone. Make sure to go check out PatCast on YouTube. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. We'll absolutely have to do this again sometime. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate it coming on the show. Absolutely. Anytime. You are more than welcome. Really appreciate it. To all of our listeners, again, make sure to check out uh, Jake and Ross tomorrow. Uh, they will start getting you ready for Packers Chiefs as in the key storylines to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, if you haven't already, please go out and follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Again, you can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow Tom at Tom Grassi Comedy. For Tom Grassi, I'm Andy Herman. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.